Hello and welcome to Emerging Excellence. Super excited to be here with you, Brett, today for another awesome episode. I'm your co-host, Felicity Fury. We've got Brett Bassett, CEO of QLeave, here with us this morning. Brett, we've got another juicy one today. It's all about when is the right time to leave. Have you left at the wrong time in your career? Oh, gee, that's a hard question. Hello, everyone. I think the answer there is yes. I have left at the wrong time, but I've also left at the right time as well. And I think part of the reason that I thought this might be a good conversation to have is we've spoken out infinitum over many podcasts about the good, the bad, the ugly of leadership, right? Sometimes being a leader just gets too much and you're asking yourself, if is it time to leave? And my view is, if you're asking that question, then the answer is it probably is. But sometimes people don't know how to do it how to start the conversation, whether to start the conversation, or how to actually consider what the options are. So that's why I thought it would be a fantastic conversation to have today. Totally agree. And it's interesting when you say leave, because the first thing that comes to mind is quit the company, you know, move on, drastic change. When you think of leaving, do you think of that or is it something else for you? It could be that. It could be putting your hand up and saying, you know what, I don't want to be the leader anymore. It could be something as simple as saying, I'm done in this role in this organisation, so how do I find the next role in the next organisation or in the same organisation? So for me, when I talk about, you know, when is it time to leave, it could be a variety of those things. I mean, where I'm in my career, it's generally going to be about moving roles. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But I think to a lot of people who are listening, it might actually be just about starting that conversation internally and saying, what does the next role look like for me and where is that role going to be? What does it conjure up for you, Felicity? Conjures up all of the roles I've left (laughs) for very good reasons. And I think I'm the classic millennial where we're supposed to have 17 jobs and five careers. I think I'm up to about 10 or 11 jobs now and probably I reckon three or four careers so I'm definitely on track as someone who's I feel like I'm still in the beginning of my career maybe mid-career and there's been good reasons actually and often it kind of starts as a bit of a gut feeling maybe of oh there's something there's something here that's not right and it's taken me a long time to figure out what that means for me and a lot of it you know, I thought it was, oh, am I, I felt like I was searching for something like, am I searching for the right project or the right company or the right role? And nothing ever felt perfect. Like I wanted it to be perfect and have everything kind of worked out. But on reflection, I realized, and this is actually from a great mentor of mine, he said, you know, what are those things that really drive you? What are those internal motivators? And through that conversation, I realized it wasn't, oh, I want to go work on a hospital or I want to go work on the biggest piece of infrastructure in Australia. For me, it was around what am I learning? Am I developing? Am I growing? So that was such a good insight to get and really helped me rethink where am I going to get satisfaction from my role? Because I think that's something that I'm constantly searching for, as I'm sure lots of people would be, because work takes up a big part of our lives. I think that's right. And and you made mention of the gut feel piece. I I mean, I'll I'll give you some examples or some reflections from my career about when I knew it was time to start thinking about moving on. I think if you start to not want to go to work or you don't want to log in remotely from home, I think that's a pretty clear indicator. If you're starting to get frustrated at yourself or at others, I think that's also a really, really good indicator. Now, there's a difference between frustrate and frustration. So some people can be grumpy versus some people can be sour in their organisation. I think it's okay to be grumpy every now and then, but when you're sour in an organisation, I think that derives more of a, a negative connotation. I think 
when you're not bringing your best physical and emotional self to work as well. That means that there's something that that's not right, whether that's work or a home thing or something along those lines. And for me, it also manifests in my physicality. So I've been in jobs where, you know, I haven't shaved, I haven't worn the best suit I've got for big, important meetings, I haven't polished my shoes. They're real strange little things. But for me, they are indicators that something's not right. And so that's when I start to think, oh, okay, there's something that I need to start thinking about here. From your perspective, Felicity, what what is it that you've seen that gives you the choice, you know, the, the starting to think about a piece? Mm, definitely there's those key indicators, whether it's, you know, am I turning up late, not starting, you know, with, I think, being present, even as like the clothes I'm wearing, if I haven't put my makeup on, those kind of little triggers. I feel like since COVID, there's definitely more sneakers and less makeup, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, just those little kind of, oh, that's interesting. And I think because I do have a reflection practice where I am thinking about those things, it's now more obvious. and. It kind of would show up with probably be annoyed at people in the office, like like I'd be more irritable, I think, in the office. And I would think it was somebody else and I'd start to blame other people like, oh, well, that person's a jerk or they're just a bad communicator rather than actually taking responsibility for myself. So I think that's a really important one is when you start to see those signs is to take that responsibility for yourself and then take a step back, look at the bigger picture. And for me, in my life, I regularly see a psychologist and he's really helped me identify some of those things. There's certain periods, I think, in your career where you're growing, but then there's also the consolidation period. So I, I think have a natural kind of drive to achieve, set goals, you know, big stuff, but I actually need the consolidation part and it changes over time. So I think it's something that we need to regularly check in with ourselves and then match our roles to what's going on in our life as well and having those open conversations in the workplace about it. I agree completely. And as you were talking, I was sort of thinking about the high performance curve, right? So often as leaders, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're performing right in the middle of the high performance curve. That's when you've got the right amount of stress, the right amount of performance, right? But sometimes what we need to think about is that when our performance starts to drop off, it might just be it's dropping off because we haven't got the right level of stress. So some people, for example, need something to keep them excited, need something to keep them in, you know, focused, et cetera. And so, you know, sometimes what I've seen is if I'm bored at work because I haven't got a big project on foot or there's nothing that's really chunky that's exciting, if that makes sense, that's where I've started to think, oh, is this the right role for me? And and in one of my previous jobs before I was a CEO, I remember I, I, I was a bit bored, you know, over a period of months. And I actually went to my boss, who was very senior in the organisation at the time. And I also knew I wanted to have a go at being a CEO. And I said, I'm bored. I said, I'm really, really bored. I said, I want to be a CEO. I said, but the biggest gap I've got is strategy. Help me get the biggest strategic role in the organisation. And he said to me, give me a couple of months. Within two months, he'd found the biggest strategic role in the organisation. He gave it to me and it was a significant stretch goal for me. Now, it got to a point where it was almost too much stress and I wasn't at the high performance piece. But I think that's where if you start to think about some of these physical, emotional indicators, if you're bored at work, maybe it's as simply as asking for, give me something chunky that I can bite off, if that makes sense. That's totally the one for me. If I Usually I call my mum. And I go, this is what's happening. She goes, oh, you're bored, aren't you? And I go, yes, I am bored. So I feel like mum is always a good litmus test to really know if I need to 
leave a role or not. But recently I've also found that boring roles can be helpful in the sense oh, yeah. that I've got a couple of kids now, I've got a three-year-old and a six-month-old, or she actually seven months today. And so sometimes because I've got so much going on at home and I haven't always been full-time in the business like I am now, having the day job has really helped me I feel like be stable and have something to kind of keep ticking along in the background. So I recently only, I think, had come to terms with that. And again, through the help of my psychologist, he said, look at where you're getting fulfillment from. For me, financial stability is a big one for me. And if I don't have that, then, and it's really interesting, I think, how self-worth is often related to how much you get paid and employment and that whole piece. And I had to just really take a hard look at myself and go, okay, yep, for me, I just need that. That's just a box I got to tick. And then the business is one that has me be super challenged and engaged and really stretch myself. So I've noticed over the years that I do need to have both of those boxes ticked, however that looks in whatever format, whether that's running Power of Engineering as a not-for-profit and learning about leadership and then having the day job as an engineer or, you know, whatever format that looks. But they're two big things that I've got to tick off. Have you got any kind of baselines for you, Brett? Yeah, look, I mean, the physical piece is a really big one for me. I mean, I love to be physically active and, you know, try and do as as much external, you know, training and a whole range of things. I mean, look, my ideal job, if I could be anything in the world, I would want to be a professional marathoner. Now, there's absolutely no way I could ever do that. But for me, the running, going to the gym and all that type of stuff is the way that I keep challenged externally. I mean, you know, I've also done some study externally as well. And and I think where where you're not maybe as challenged at work as you as you might normally be, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a poor performer. You know, we need people to turn up every day and just do the best that they can do to 100% of their, their best, right? And if that means you come in, you do your job, and then you leave it at work, we should absolutely think that that's fine. That is absolutely fine because, as you said, Felicity, sometimes we need to think that people might want to have – there might be stuff going on external to their lives. And so I think what I sort of say is is if I'm a little bit bored at work, is there something that I can do externally that allows me to still perform as high as I and, and, and as well as I need to at work, but I get challenged outside? So it might be, for example, doing some study doing some charity work, you know, doing something more with your family, you know, to challenge that type of thing as well. So I think one of the things that I always keep thinking about is how can I be the best person for me so that I can be the best person inside the organisation and external to the organisation at home? So there, there are a couple of, of things. Let, let me ask you this question. When you've been in that situation where you're saying, oh, am I bored? Is there, you know, is it time for me to leave? And you've already spoken about speaking to your mum. What else do you do? Mm. Well, I do speak to my husband. That's always a good one. Psychologist. And that's the thing, actually, as I'm, as I'm saying this, there's a team of people around me. And I think it's good to get a range of perspectives. The psychologist is great because he really points to, you know, self-care. He's got no biases on what I should or shouldn't do. He's so great at reframing things and giving me perspective. And I think often that perspective can be really helpful. And I think some roles like go, okay, I don't want to do, you know, this, but I know that that's a stepping stone in my leadership journey and I need to get good at whatever this thing is. So I think sometimes that framing and perspective 
can really help and mentors friends family even you know my best mate shout out to claire she is my go-to person i vent to and often it's just like i just need to vent about what's going on and that can really help as well so yeah talking i'm a talker and talking out with people makes a big difference i i I love what you said about venting right sometimes you just need to vent as long as you don't breach confidentiality and all that, I've got to say that, you know, that that's the right thing to say. But I agree with you on that. I mean, so I'm a big believer in talking. I always try and talk to my boss about it. And and that can be touchy or tricky if 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 you don't have a great boss. Now I've been really lucky, and, and I can say this most honestly, every boss I've had in my very senior leadership experience has always been really supportive. And so, you know, where I've been bored, I've challenged my bosses, how can you help me? Give me something bigger. Give me something better. Challenge me a little bit differently, right? So that's what I've done. So I think absolutely you've got to be able to talk with somebody. I think one of the things that I think is really important that we should um, discuss is if you don't actually recognise that you're in that questioning about is this the right role for me, then you may not actually get to that point of actually having the conversation. So getting back to how do these things manifest, whether it's the physical, the emotional or anything before, I think it's really important to say to people who might be listening, be aware that if those things are coming up, it might mean that you're actually thinking about, is this the right role for me? So I think what we've got to do is we've always got to recognise the indicators or the red flags or the green flags, because changing role may not necessarily be a negative thing. I, I think talking with people is really, really good. I actually, because I'm a bit of a, a strange person, I tell my team that I'm struggling. I really do. And I'll tell them that I'm bored or I'll tell them I'm just not feeling challenged or I'm struggling emotionally or anything along those lines. The the reason I think that's important is, you know, we're all humans. We've got to be able to lead ourselves before we can lead others, and we've spoken about that a lot. But one of the things that I generally feel when I tell my team that I'm struggling with boredom or something along those lines, and it doesn't happen a lot, is that they actually feel what's the word, calm, if that makes mm. sense, because I'm opening up to them and it breeds that authenticity and, and that level of vulnerability, which I think is really important. What do you think about opening up to your team? I think it's really powerful, particularly when you're a leader, but I've really struggled with it when I've been a team member and opening up in a public environment. And I think I've spoken about this best mate, Claire, and I we used to work together. Um, and we talked about that of like, what's that point you can be vulnerable? And it's interesting, I think, in the context of being female engineers early in our career, because I didn't want to be really vulnerable and say I'm finding this really hard or I feel like I'm not technically competent because I didn't want to be labeled as someone who you know was like that I remember I used to be in these conversations with my one of my old bosses and he'd be explaining how to do a design I was so worried about not getting it right that I would just think oh my gosh am I listening am I taking it all in and then I would just completely miss everything he said because I was so worried about not getting it right because I was I felt so constrained that I couldn't really share hey I'm finding this challenging and looking back early in my career I did not do a good job of that and I spent a lot of time telling my bosses I thought they wanted to hear like yes I want to be a structural engineer for the rest of my career and like oh yes how do I like you know look good in my job rather than actually sharing what I wanted which is so crazy looking back now because They couldn't help me. They were helping me based on what I was saying, which was actually the opposite of what I wanted to do in my career. But I didn't, it didn't really click for me that I should have done that. It's the dance, right? So people often forget that there's a a leadership dance. 
you're the leader, you've got to meet somebody halfway. But it is imperative that the person that you're leading comes and meets you halfway as well. It's exactly what you just said, Felicity. If 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 you're the team member and you're not saying to your boss, this is what I want, this is how you will get the best out of me, then how can the boss know? Because mm. they can't be right mind readers, right? So that's why I think, you know, as a leader, I'm always I like to be really open. There are risks in that because if you've got a boss, and as I said, I've been really lucky. My bosses have been very supportive. If you've got a boss that sees you saying to them, oh, I'm thinking about changing roles or I'm thinking about leaving the organisation, that could go bad. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But then if we flip that on its head, if you've got a boss like that, then the one thing I would say is, is this the boss you want to work with? Mm. Because, you know, a leader's job, one of the leader's roles that we've spoken about is it's actually not to keep people in their jobs. It's to give them the best skills, capability, capacity to go and be the next role, the best that they can be wherever it is. So, so I think there is a risk there, but I just think it's important for us to remind listeners that there has to be a meeting of a meeting of it, right? I think that's really, really important. Absolutely. And I feel what? like that leads back to culture and, you know, if you feel safe and comfortable in an organisation. And I think early on, I'd never been in a workplace before, so I almost didn't know how to act and behave. And I was taking you know, cues from everyone around me. And that was tricky sometimes because I think people, you know, there wasn't that vulnerability. I think it's definitely changed in the last 15 years where organisations are more open. What's your view about taking a break when you feel I'm not this? I've got a very direct view on this. What's your view on this? Oh, this such a good question. And I've done this myself where if mentally I am not there in the role, take a break. And it happened when I was working in my business and I was a liability to my business partners. And it was really tricky because at the time I was dealing with you know, mental health challenges where it's like my brain was not working and I hadn't experienced that before. And it was so hard to describe to my business partners, hey, it's like my I'm like you know tapping my hands together. It's like it's just it's just not making the connections. And it was so strange for me. And I said to them, I need to take two weeks off, starting immediately. You know, do not call me, do not speak to me. And it was, you know, because my husband encouraged me, actually, he's like, there's something not right for you. You've just got to call it. And I was just felt so trapped. And it's that's not the fact like it's happened, you know, a couple of times since then as well. And getting in my head, okay, actually, me staying in the business is actually going to be more harm than good. So I actually do need to pause, stop. And at the time he um he said, go do some yoga. I'd never done yoga before. I did a two-week unlimited yoga pass. I went every day for six days the first week, six days the next week, and it was so helpful just to pause and recalibrate. And I had to be okay with my business partners not understanding what was going on and, you know, since then spoken about it. And I didn't have the language to even explain it. I just knew something wasn't right and I just needed to take that mental health break. What do you think, Brett? Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Look, I'm a big believer if you're not performing at your best, then go and take a break. And some people, you know, in my career, I've seen some people who have been reticent to do that or reluctant to do that because they're worried that the organisation won't be able to continue without them there. That's not true. I mean, every organisation will continue. No one is irreplaceable. And quite frankly, the way I sort of look at it is if people need to take a break, then they need to take a break. It gives other people an opportunity to step up and to actually step into a role. So, oh, look, I, I think it's a really, really important thing to do. And then once again, if you flip it, if you've got a boss or an organisation that is saying, no, we can't let you go, we can't let you go, are they are they the right people that you want to be working with? That's the sort of frame that I always look at it. Let me ask you this question. I'm a big believer in always forward planning, right? 
Do you think you should ever ask yourself this question, what does the next job look like? I think we should ask what does the next job in three jobs looks like rather than the next immediate one. And I heard this recently and it was so helpful because I often was thinking, okay, what's the next immediate one? But I think if you think three jobs ahead, it again, gives you such great framing and perspective and gives you the relevance now. What about you, Ray? Oh, I absolutely agree. So I'm a big believer in gap analysis, right? So if I want to be this, like, let's go back to if I wanted to be, you know, the best marathoner in the world, you know, Kipchoge or something along those lines, I know what the end point is, right? I then can put a frame in a thing in mind, program in mind or in place to actually hit that point, right? I agree with you 100%. I knew when I was in, in a senior role, but not a CEO, I knew what I needed to do. I knew I wanted to be a CEO. I knew that I needed to have strategy. So I got the strategy piece. I knew that I needed to have some leadership. So I got the leadership piece. What it was actually, what I was able to do was to actually make sure that the roles that I took before I got the CEO role closed those gaps. And then if we think about the challenge piece, the role that you might take next to get you to your job in three jobs time might not actually inspire you that much or might drive might not drive you that much. But you know what? If it's actually allowing you to tick off a box on the journey to the job in three time, that might actually be a really great way of keeping you engaged. So I absolutely think it's a really, really important thing to do. What's your yes, what is your dream job? Never asked you that. Oh gosh. Dream job. Well. The big goal is I would love to be an investor in young social entrepreneurs and help fund their businesses and mentor them. So that is the big kahuna for me that it might change. And I think the great thing about setting big dreams and goals is on the way to working towards it, you then get to figure out if that's what you wanted to do. Like I had a goal of I want to be a professional public speaker and do that all the time. Started doing that. Whoa, it's a lot of work. It's really hard and exhausting. And I don't get to see my family as much as I would like to. So learnt that that is a good sometimes thing. But actually, I think uh, one thing I've learned and what it would add to that is I've done some work on looking at what my genius zone is. So there's this great book. Have you, I'm trying to think of the name. It's by a guy called Gay Hendricks, and he talks about the zone of genius and the zone of excellence. Have you come across this, Brett? No. So good. So he he talks about four zones. There's your zone of incompetence, uh, your zone of competence, there's your excellent zone and your zone of genius. And this book was so helpful for me to work out what I'm naturally really good at or what is the kind of stuff that I'm good at but actually I don't really love and enjoy so as an example I'm a great project manager so I'll be I'll follow up people do the invoicing do the admin get the project delivered but it takes so much energy and I find it really boring so really highly trained and skilled I get paid really well I'm reliable for that and that's the trap of the excellent zone is that because you're reliable for delivering, people give you more and more of that. But ultimately, you end up being burnt out. Where the genius zone is those times, and I'm sure you've experienced this, Brett, where you're just in flow, you're having a great time. Um, it's like time doesn't even exist and you're enjoying what you do doesn't even feel like work. So for me, that is uh, working with young people, inspiring and motivating people, getting people on board with the vision, building communities. That's my genius zone, which it's interesting there is some elements of that, I think, in project management or delivering a project, uh, but if I could just do that all day, it doesn't even feel like work to me. So I think understanding those things really helped me think about what's a role that's going to suit that genius zone as well because often I think we get stuck in we're doing a good job in this excellent zone, so we'll kind of 
keep going there. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I really like the way that you've articulated that. I think what I'm a big fan of is always asking yourself the question, what's next, what's next, what's next? Oh, we have a, a phrase that we use generally wherever I work, which is challenge the status quo, right? And I think we should all do that as part of every job we're in. And so, you know, I think it comes down to that gap analysis piece. What is it that you're getting out of a job now and how long is it going to satiate or keep you sustained before you have to start thinking about the next role? And I think to some extent what we've, you know, if, if I could paraphrase what we've spoken about today, we've spoken about what are the indicators where we're starting to ask ourselves the question, what's the next job look like for me or the next role look like for me? What to do? But what we haven't discussed, Felicity, and I'll go to you on this, what not to do? If you're having that conversation internally or externally with coaches, mentors, mums or whomever, what should you not do? First thing that comes to mind is don't lie to yourself. So don't pretend that you think you want something or it looks good to have that thing. Like I think often, you know, I remember one point I also wanted to be a CEO and uh, my mum was like, why? I was like, well, you know, they have really great handbags and always dress really well. So that that was my first thing. <laughs> Being a CEO is really, really hard. And I've realized, wow, okay, that's not going to be my forever job. And I think, yeah, pretending that you're interested in something, even if you've spent ages working on it, and then you get there and whoa, it's not for you. It's okay to say that to yourself. I what agree with that. Look, I mean, some people are going to be great leaders at a point in career and some people aren't at another point in their career, right? I think don't lie to yourself is a really important one. You know, you've got to be true to yourself because if if you can't be true to yourself, you can't be true to anyone else. And Mm. I think that that's a really, really, really good point. I think also thinking that it's going to get better is actually, you're just kidding yourself, right? So I think what not to do is don't think that it's just going to get better. You know, we're talking, this is a podcast about leadership, right? And so For those people who are out there, if you're a leader or you want to be a leader, one of the things that I would suggest is that you say, how can I change the status quo for me that's causing me this frustration or this angst or this sourness versus grumpiness or just I'm feeling bored, right? I think what you've got to do is you've got to make a hard choice. You've got to try and make the change for you or you've actually got to try and engender the change for others, if that makes sense. So. I'm a big believer what not what sim, what not to do is simply just staying there and saying it'll fit, it'll get better. It won't. Another thing that I think people sometimes do, and I've counselled a number of my friends, colleagues, mentor mentees about this, is if you apply for a job, don't just take the next job. Because it's not just, you know, before you apply for the next job, whether it's an internal or an external job, make sure that it's right for you and make sure that it's going to give you the challenge, the excitement, the breadth. It's going to close the gaps that you're looking for on your third role, right? Some people, and I've seen this go bad, they take the next job just to get out. What's the old saying? Sometimes it's out of the frying pan and into the fire or mm-hmm. the grass is not always greener. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, after I had that really challenging time with the business, which we ended up closing, I ended up going into a role that was going to suit me something that I could do that was easy to recover mental health wise and it took me about a year and I did a design manager role it was super easy could turn up to work every day get it done and that was actually just what I needed at the time and so sometimes I think that wasn't ex- I didn't plan to go through that really challenging time so sometimes things come up that aren't planned on that path and there's also what do you need for right now or the next piece 
to step forward and I really needed something that was going to help me recover, nurture myself, do all those things outside of work as well. And I think the other piece to add into what not to do is, I've just totally forgotten it, I had it there. Oh, complain. Complain and not take action because I think so many people will go, oh, I hate this role, blah, 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 blah. What are you going to do about it? What's the action that you're going to take? Is it to talk to people? Is it, you know, what do you think, Brett? Do you see that happen a lot? I'm smiling. It's like the answer is absolutely. We used to have this saying in one organisation, TJF, the job, and I won't talk about what the F stands for, right? But what I saw is a whole cohort of people doing exactly that. Complain, complain, complain. Get up leave that's what I did I left that job so I I agree people that whinge they need to actually step up it comes back to that partnership conversation we had right as team leaders or as leaders as team members or as leaders it has to be an honest conversation this is what I want this is what I need are you giving it to me if the answer is no ask and if the answer is still no then start saying this is not the right organisation for me, right? I absolutely agree with everything you've said there. Mm-hmm. And I think we should not be afraid to have this conversation. One of the things that you sort of made mention of it, one of the things that we should not do is not talk about it to someone. Don't keep it to yourself because mm-hmm. we've spoken about this before. A problem shared is a problem halved, right? Use your networks. Use your people who have been through it, you know, what are the options? How can I get something? You know, how could I get a different project or a different strategy piece or something along those lines? Always in my view, what I try and do is I always try and tie it back to how does this get me to the next? And as you said, the third, the role third down the path, because I'm so old, it may not be the third role down the path, but the next role. So, and I think that's right. But one of the things I was also talking about for this today, as you were talking about that role where you sort of, it was just an easy role, and I say that respectfully, Mm. that's a transitional role, right? Mm. I think it's okay to have transitional roles in your career Mm. where you go from one really big, run hard job or something along those lines, and you might just want to be able to turn up every day and be the best you can be, be the great person, somebody that just does the job, sits in the background. I think that's absolutely fine. But I think the risk there is if you don't think about what that transitional role how that will help you in the long term, then I think mm-hmm. if you stay there too long, it might might cause you more detriment than 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 benefit. Definitely. And I think to add to this this whole conversation is looking for the opportunity. And I think we can always find an opportunity. Even if you're in a role that you're finding boring, you can go, what can I learn here? How can I grow? What is something that I could take on? And even in one of my previous roles, I wanted to learn more about uh, developing people. And so I spoke to the leader of the team and I said, hey, what have you got in the people space that I could take on for a bit? And it was something really simple. It was organizing our team offsite for two days. Now, that wasn't part of my job. I did extra hours on top of, you know, what I was doing, uh, kind of like a little extracurricular activity. But it was so good because I what do I need to do? I thought bigger picture about the team. I took something off his plate and then I would go do all the organising and then present back. Here are the options. What do you want to choose? Oh, you chose that. Why was that? Tell me about that. What's your thinking there? Oh, I didn't get that quite right. Tell me about that. So it was a little low risk project. 
I got to learn more about people development and the team. So I think wherever you're at, if you're you know listening to this going, oh dear, I'm in the wrong role. Okay, I want to take that advice, like you said, Brett, and move somewhere that's really going to serve me in my career. Cool, that might take a little while to get, but what could you do right now to make it into an opportunity as well? Is that something that you've tried out in your career, Brett? Oh, look, I have. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about it's this is the framing conversation, right? Everything can either be a positive or a negative. It's the frame through which you look at it. And to quote a wonderful guest that we had on recently, Miranda Swift, keep bright eyed. Yeah. That's the key, right? I mean, I think if we if we if we think about everything is an opportunity or a detriment, you might not want the job for the long term. You might not want the job, you know, forever. But if you can learn something, or maybe you learn what you don't want to do in the future, I think that's a really great thing to do. It's funny because I feel like often I have not had a very successful engineering career. And then there's always ways that you can frame things, right? Like if I look back, I could go, I feel like I should have, you know, led a big team and I wanted to be somewhere else where I wasn't in my career. But there's always a positive reframing. And I've just, you know, you can reflect and learn so much. And I think that's really up to the individual to take that on and be the leader, I guess, in your own career, really. And I think maybe that's the perfect way to end this conversation is that you've got to lead yourself first in figuring out when it's the right time. What would be your coming advice, Brett? Absolutely agree, Felicity. It may never be the right time, but you don't ask, you don't get, you don't move on. Absolutely think that's spot on. Great way to win the conversation. Awesome. Well, thanks for bringing another juicy topic, Brett. This has been great. We'd love to hear what our listeners think. Do you agree? Feedback, comments, all are welcome. Or if there's another topic you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. Thanks so much for listening.